Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam here, and as always, we've got my good buddy... Adkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And I think we are sitting down for episode 38 of Almighty Podcast. And man, it is awesome to be getting close to 40 and almost on our way to a full year, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think after you and I had stopped recording last uh, last time we sat down to record, uh, we had figured out that technically on a calendar, we've been doing this for at least one year. But with yeah. off weeks and the delay between us re- actually recording the pilot and us actually releasing the pilot. So like inwardly in our hearts, we- we've celebrated a year of coming together over my hero stuff already. Yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been a fun year for sure. And uh, I mean, that brings us to two more incredible episodes, uh, 74 and 75. And we're getting into the thick of it, man. Like, we're finally kind of getting to what I would I would assume is the end of this assault on the Chia Sakai clan. Yeah, these two episodes, I was trying to think about this right as we started to record. If I'm willing to go so far as to say one of these two is my new favorite, I will say this much with confidence, I think this pair of episodes is my favorite pair of episodes so far. Really? See, I don't know. I'm. There have been some fights that I really enjoyed, like the Midoriya and um, uh, Bakugo fight. That was a really good one. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, All Might and uh, All for One. That was an incredible fight. Those those pairs of episodes I really enjoyed. I don't know that these topped that for me. These were great. I mean, I was I was very excited watching and listening. Uh, to these two and I can't I I try not to watch the episodes until like right before we record just so that things are fresh um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to keep that up because things are so exciting right now that like on Saturday I'm going to be looking on Hulu for the n- next episode like I want to see what's going on uh, and even though like by the end of these two episodes we're we're kind of working towards resolution of of you know, what feels like a pretty big arc maybe, or, you know, like we're, we're at the climax of an arc. Um, this Chie Hisaikai and, and, um, League of Villains stuff seems to be reaching its fever pitch right now, but it also doesn't because we still haven't seen like much of Shigaraki going on and all this stuff. And half of the class of characters that we've come to know and love are still, you know, out of, out of view. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. I mean, this, this show continues to trend upwards for me. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I am really excited to see what Shigaraki's got up his sleeves uh, because there's a really interesting scene. And I think it's Wise in the beginning uh, of 74. makes me wonder the where they are going to go with their kind of betrayal. You know, I'm really interested in seeing what Shigaraki's got up his sleeve, man, because Toga and Twice seems like they are doing a really good job of keeping whatever kind of betrayal he has planned secret. Uh, in fact, let's just go ahead and start talking about episode 74, because that's at pretty much the beginning of the episode, really. Yeah, there's a quick little bit where we catch up with um, Overhaul and a couple more of the bullets as they're just letting us know or reminding us that they had succeeded in making this drug that, um, you know, the, the previous batcher version was only able to temporarily um you know uh take a quirk out um but now it's such that it will completely annihilate a quirk um and then we kind of come back around to the introduction of the shie hisaikai with um the league of villains one thing i have in my notes too i meant to go back and rewatch this but when when overhaul is closing the case with the little darts in it there's mm-hmm. a space for five of them, but when he closed it, I could swear that four of them were in there, and then like a fifth one was gone. I thought maybe it was already loaded, but later on, and maybe the next episode, whenever they pull it back out, 
all five are already in there. I don't know if I just miss saw that or what, but maybe I'm not sure. I, I did notice that they mentioned that it took them a month to create five bullets. I guess it like, this is a long process and overhaul seems to think that once they kind of get it out in the mainstream public, it'll be a lot easier, but I wonder what they're doing to actually create these things. You know, like there seems like there's some sort of like chemistry set background needed, you know, like it's not like it's a simple process. Yeah. And they had a scene where they were like indicating that there's a whole bunch of waste created in this process too. Yeah. It was really weird. Cause I couldn't, it almost looked like they were in a massive waste facility. Yeah. They definitely had like giant, like brewing vats kind of look like these giant vats of that just had waste inside of it. I mean, what kind of waste biological, I assume um, yeah, because so. of uh, what we think is going on inside of these Little darts is something that has to do with a combination of Overhaul's quirk and Aries quirk um, at some sort of genetic, like you said, chemical level. But um, we, even by the end of these two episodes, we don't have a whole bunch more clarity on that. No, unfortunately, we don't. I get the feeling, though, that we're about to get a lot more in these next few episodes here. Uh, but like you were saying, the League of Villains and the Chia Saikai are meeting up for the first time, I guess, after Shigaraki has given over twice and, and Toga and said, Hey, you know, you're going to work with them for a little while. And at first they are pretty obstinate. I mean, they don't really want to work with these guys at all. They're kind of even reminding them like, we don't, we don't really like you. We don't want anything to do with you. We're just here because Shigaraki said so. Yeah. Toga wants to kill all of them um, because they hurt Magne and twice is still pissed off uh, also about Magne and about Mr. Compress. And um, so initially they're very tight lipped and, and kind of standoffish, but one of the bullets uses his quirk. It turns out that he has a quirk um, that makes people tell the truth when he speak, when he asks him a question, his name is Shin Namoto. We come to find out. And um, so he's like, all right, well, Chisaki is like, all right, let me, let me know what your quirks are so that I can figure out the best way to make use of you. And I would have thought that he would have already known what their quirks were um, because I thought he was already familiar with them and that's why he hand selected them, especially when it came to Kurogiri. Um, but I guess he didn't or wanted them to voluntarily. I think maybe it was just clarification. Okay. Yeah, you know. maybe maybe just getting in a little bit more specifics. Um, yeah, because it's pretty amazing how you ask somebody what their quirk is in this universe, and every single one of them responds with like the breakdown of almost like it's like formulaic. You know what I mean? Like they all have like a plug and chug. Here's my quirk. Here's how it works. This is what it does, and it's identical every freaking time. It's really funny. Well, we learned some pretty cool stuff. I think some things that maybe I don't think we knew about Twice's and Toka's quirks here. So, like for instance. I think when we had first met twice and he had that little uh, cord coming out of his wrists that we had, we had called it a measuring tape, but right. now we know exactly why. I don't think we've ever heard him say that he has to know like exact dimensions and able to, uh, in order to make his doubles before, had we? I don't think so. I think that is new to us for twice. And it's confirmed that Toga is naked whenever she does her uh, transformations. So, yep. And for her too, we learned that she can ingest... So we learned two things, I think, that are, are more clarity on her quirk. The first one being that the amount of time that she's able to stay transformed is has some sort of relation to the amount of blood that she ingests. Um, yeah, so like w one cup, I think, made it to where she could sound and look like them for an hour. Or no, it was a full day. Yeah, it, it was like 18 hours minimum, I think. I saw the number 18, but she said a day. So, um, And then she can also ingest a whole bunch of people's blood at the same time so she can turn into them how you know whenever she wants um and that that is gross like her quirk continues to get disgusting 
Yeah, that is pretty nasty. I, it's one of those things that just kind of skeeves me out. Like the idea of being, like ingesting someone else's blood, it's just kind of nasty. Yeah, I also I also like too that um, when Twice was under the little truth serum quirk, that he he made mention that for personal reasons he will not make doubles of himself. Right. Um, that was a good callback to you know the the backstory that we're now aware of um, with with him. And there's also a really funny scene too because Toga Twice gets hit with this truth thing first, and so. He's like, I'm not telling you, Jack. And then he gets truthed. Um, truthed is a verb now. And uh, Toga's looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? And then it gets done to her. And then when she finishes spilling the beans on her quirk, Twice just looks at her and says, see? <laughs> and that made me laugh pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah that was good. That was good. I, I like the two of them together. They, they could be comedy gold. They are. They're really fun together. I yeah. like this duo, this pair, a lot. Especially, um, I mean, we've seen them be around one another um, but, uh, yeah, they, they spend a lot of time around one another in the last, last batch of episodes and this batch of episodes. And you're, you're right. they they just, they work, they work well. They do. And, and so this is the scene that I was mentioning a couple minutes ago because Namato actually asks them, okay, has Shigaraki said anything to the two of you about betraying us? And we know that based off his quirk, they have to answer with the truth. And they both say no, like immediately. And they appear to be believed. So I'm interested. I mean, that that makes me wonder how in depth his quirk goes. Like, did Shigaraki have to say I'm going to betray them, or you know, because he didn't use those exact terminology, is it kind of skirting around the rules of this quirk? You know what I mean? I think um, I had a question in my notes that wonders if Shigaraki knows what their quirks are somehow. Like, if he if Shigaraki knew that they have somebody on the Shia Hisaikai that can make them tell the truth, then he would have gone out of his way to prevent them knowing details about the betrayal. Sure. Um, but, but I also I mean, thought that I recalled a scene where he was just like, get in there, get close, and then we'll take them down from the inside, which you would think would come out with that quirk. But Right, that's exactly what I was thinking, because I, I was thinking of that scene from last week, and I'm like, that, that seems pretty betrayal to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. I'm interested in seeing how he's gotten around this. So uh, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and they also, this is also just a, a funny little thing here, because where we left, um, you know, one of the last episodes was the two of them twice and Toga pissing Mimic off, and it seems that they sort out that he's the hot-headed one in this particular scene, because Mimic is, you know, the little pint-sized dude, and he's, like, barking at them about how they better stay in line and obey all these orders, and he's, like, waving his arms around, and uh, so I, I think that maybe they had sorted out that he was going to be the one that that they could push his his buttons in particular just because of his behavior at their introductions in the scene. Right. And then we transition right into Mimic, you know, stuck in the wall trying to figure out kind of what to do here because Twice and Togar are just pissing him off. I mean, they're doing nothing but chastising him and the Chihaya Saikai and the Yakuza. And I mean, he's he seems like he's more of one of the traditional minions. Like he seemed like he, you know, respected the father more than Overhaul maybe. I mean, I kind of got that feeling anyways, because he's kind of laying into him like, no, you, you don't re- disrespect the Yakuza no matter what. So he's kind of going after them and he, they end up fighting each other. And this ends up revealing himself to the main group, which is, you know, Night Eye, the cops, Midoriya and Aizawa. Yes. And Midoriya sees that Mimic is like up above them and he smash kicks it in the face, basically, or smash kicks him in the face. And as soon as he's fully exposed... Then you see Aizawa kind of peer at him and lock his his quirk down. 
Yeah, and once that quirk gets locked down, I mean, he it seems like the drugs wear off and he's no longer able to control nearly as much because they pretty much put him down for the rest of the episode. I don't think he really comes back into anything. Nah, I think next time we see him, he's already like in cuffs, like in police yeah. police possession. I'm still not entirely sure what was up with him being in the little doll thing. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know because this seems to be his true form. The the you know rather large muscular maybe blonde haired looking guy yeah um, I think last week you had mentioned I say last week it was probably last episode you had mentioned that he looks kind of like All Might really yeah for that flash where he was first blending into the wall I I could have swore that he looked like All Might but you know upon closer um, inspection it's that is not the case yeah but I mean whenever we have the flashback he's in this little tiny doll form so maybe that's just where he's most comfortable could be hey to each his own. Yeah, definitely. Well, we finally get the resolution. I say the resolution, the beginning of the resolution to what we had talked a lot about last week with Mirio, because we know that he has been going through the walls, getting ahead of the main group, trying to catch up with Overhaul and Corono, who he, I don't think he knows who he is just quite yet, uh, and Eerie. Whenever he gets caught up to them, there actually are two more bullets that he has to deal with first, and these were pretty cool bullets. Like I think that Namito is really neat, but on top of that, Sakaki is what I believe his name is. I like his ability quite a bit. He's kind of a fun character, I think. Yeah, so we run into Shin Namoto, uh, and then the other guy is Daidoro Sakaki, which makes me think of Shikaka from uh, the Ace Ventura, the second one, I think. Oh, yeah. With the white I- bat. His, uh, his quirk is called Sloshed, which I really like. And yeah. basically, he just people within his vicinity, I guess, can lose their equilibrium. But he's drinking the whole time. So I think maybe his, his name there has something to do with Saki, I would assume. Yeah, that's probably true. I hadn't looked at the trivia section yet. Um, what was really... F- My favorite thing about this whole scene is how it starts. So Mirio catches up to these guys, and he's just like, excuse me, but can I ask you some questions? <laughs> like, yeah, he just exactly. casually strolls up on them, <laughs> except he's pouring down sweat, but it's still funny the way that he this starts this off. And so Overhaul's like, well, you shouldn't have been able to get here that fast. And Mirio just says, I took a shortcut. That made me laugh for some reason. Just that short little three-sentence exchange was pretty good. I think it was so unexpected that anyone could have caught up to Overhaul. He just was not expecting anyone to be able to get ahead like that. Yeah, so then we've got Shinomoto, whose quirk is confession, and he forces the truth whenever he asks a question, and uh, Daidoro Sakaki, whose quirk, like you said, is called Slosh, and it makes them lose their equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And so I have in my notes, I said, drunk guy and truth guy, aren't they one and the same, really? <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> now, what's interesting is Nomoto's, his quirk, I guess he mentioned that sometimes he can bring the truth out of people without them even realizing that they knew the truth. Yeah, I would think that that's kind of like a subconscious thing. Like, you know, like you might be unwilling to admit something about yourself as a truth, but, you know, internally you're repressing it or something like that. That's that's how I read that anyway. But I'm a psychology major too, so. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I assumed it meant like he could ask you a question that was loosely based around something he needed to know and you could confirm or deny it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he man, he starts drilling Mirio immediately with all these questions. And one of them great tactic. Yeah, and one of them is really a good question, and I don't think that Mirio actually verbalizes an answer. And I wonder if, I wonder if it's possible that if 
Namoto, if he asked you a question, if you could almost internalize the truth, like like you realize the truth, even if you don't verbalize it. Because one of the questions that he asks Mirio is, you just want to rescue Aerie to feel better, don't you? And I was like, damn, that's a good question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I think his whole idea kind of ties back into what some of the other bullets were saying last episode, whenever they were fighting Red Riot and Fat Gum. Like the whole thing is we've got to break the enemy first, because if, if the heroes give up early, then they're done for, you know, if their will's broken early and i think that's all he's trying to do is just break everybody's will like if he can psych out mirio then it's not even a problem to begin with but luckily our boy mirio is just a little bit you know stronger than that i mean it i almost wonder if it's a willpower thing like he asked that question he probably was able to to keep it inside just because he he knows what he's really there for he's not even questioning that yeah what so what what he takes what he does like internally over the next couple of minutes is um, it's almost like he's rationalizing why the answer to that question isn't no, but rationalizing is what you do to con- almost to convince yourself or defend what you do, what you believe to be true. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's what he's actually doing or if he's verbalizing internally why the answer to that question actually isn't no, even though there is a truth to it, right? There's this element of truth to it, but the greater truth for him is some of this stuff that he's, um, that he's, I think he's having this, inter- again, this is a, tr- a problem with anime sometimes. I don't remember if he's saying this in his brain or out loud. It, it felt um, like he was saying it in his brain. Cause I don't, I didn't remember seeing his mouth move. Yeah. So he, one of the things that he mentions is that, um, rather than see us hurt and she's, he's kind of reviewing the first uh, meeting that they had with overhaul and Aerie, um, with Midoriya. And he's like, rather than seeing Midoriya and I get hurt, she chose to return to that hell. And so he's like, I want to be her hero in effect because she was mine. Um, and that, that kind of is part of the, the real truth of that answer to that, to that particular question for him. I believe that's what I, that's how I read it anyway. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. Um, you know, I'm really surprised though, how easily he's kind of able to get out of the situation. Cause he just pulls off what he calls his ultimate move where he, holds his breath, ducks into the wall, comes out the side and takes out both of these guys with no problem. I mean, they're only in the episode for like, you know, 10 seconds at this point. Okay. So what did he call the ultimate move in the version of the show that you watched? Uh, so the ultimate move, I've got it written down cause I was, I was going to ask you what he called it as well. So he calls his ultimate move phantom threat. Yeah. Okay. That's what the subtitle said, but the, I'm watching it the way God intended to uh, it to be watched, right? Well, so and, episode 75, I had to do that. They don't have a dub out for it yet. Okay. So in the when he shouts the name of the super move, the subtitles said Phantom Threat. But what he actually says, even in the Japanese, is Phantom Menace or a very Japanese equivalent to it. And huh. that's also what his super move is called in the wiki. It's not Phantom Threat. It's Phantom Menace. Which That's made cool. me laugh when I heard it because it just made me think of Star Wars, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like now all I can think of is Mirio with like Darth Maul face on, you know, and like the horns coming out. Yeah. It was really funny. I was like, why why did they why did they change what he said from Phantom Menace to Phantom Threat? Like it's very obvious the way that he says it. Like yeah. I I need to go back and do a second viewing, but I'm confident that it was so jarring that I hear Phantom Menace but I read Phantom Threat, and what is Phantom Menace is a superior. I didn't get this volume. Okay, okay. Um, I went to Barnes & Noble twice in the last two weeks, and they haven't had it, and I didn't Amazon it because I kept forgetting. Please forgive me. <laughs> you, you are officially banned from the podcast. Sorry. 
I'll get it. I'll get it eventually because I'm a completionist like that. But yeah, I'm behind right now. One volume on the manga. Okay. Yeah. Phantom. That's funny. I, I wonder why they would change that. I mean, Phantom Menace is perfectly fine. Maybe it's a yeah. licensing thing. But it's it's pretty cool. Like the way that they um re- like realize this particular combat because he you know he's still talking to himself. He's like for that girl to be or no he might actually be saying this out loud for that girl to continue to be unable to smile. I can't allow that. And um, he ends up like kicking Airy or kicking, he kicks through Airy to connect with that one dude's face. And yeah, it was cool. pretty epic. Yeah. It's so cool watching, you know, you remember when we first met him, he talked about how difficult that particular power is to control, to be able to phase part of his fist or his arm, for example, while keeping the other solid enough to do any kind of meaningful damage. And you see that multiple times in this particular fight where this is the first time where he kicks. And it looks like he's about to kick Aerie in the top of the head, like punching Baby Yoda in the back, right? Yeah, um, at first, I thought that she like got kicked. Like, I thought he kicked her out of the of uh, Chrono's hands. And I was like, dang, he's pretty desperate here. But then I realized it was like phasing through. Yeah, so he phases through her, but solidifies or rematerializes his foot so that it hits him. And it's very cool. And he does that, I think, once or twice throughout the rest of this fight. But it's very cool kind of hype way of showing how much control he actually has. Um, And and then there's this dope shot of there's so many cool stills from this episode and the next like that would make great computer backgrounds and stuff like that to just look amazing. Um, And this is the first one that I made note of. There's this shot of Mirio and and he's holding Aerie and he's just glowering menacingly at Chisaki. And it's so good. And then the favorite my favorite thing that they did here was then all of the other episodes prior to this one, I think. Um, or generally speaking, at least they give you the episode title, like a minute in maybe, or right at the top. This one, you don't see the title of the episode until 13 minutes in and they drop it right after that shot. And it's just Lemillion. And I was like, that is freaking great timing for that title. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really well done. I liked it quite a bit, man. That was incredible. Um, so I didn't even realize that I didn't see the title of the show until they showed it there. And it was at the halfway point, you know, where they usually put up one of the like quirk cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like Lemillion. And I was like, hell yeah, Lemillion. Even though I hate <laughs> that name, this is the perfect time to be like hyping this guy up because he just did some dope stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not sold on the name, but he was pretty epic in this one scene. I mean, he even was able to connect with Overhaul and like make him bleed, which I don't know if you noticed, but he immediately healed himself. Yeah, yeah, he tends to he tends to do that. I thought I'd read somewhere where for some reason he still had a scar that Magne gave to him. Like maybe he left it there on purpose for some reason. Really? Um, I don't But I don't remember, remember seeing that or hearing that. I just remember pa- passively reading it somewhere um huh. that he can heal himself but he chooses to keep this scar that Magne gave him. I'm like, I don't remember that, but whatever. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like I remember that either. Uh, but anyways, it, this is the part where, I mean, Overhaul starts to realize that he may potentially be in a bad spot because he doesn't know protection around him. I mean, he doesn't really need protection, but I don't think having backup would hurt in this situation. And the heroes have Aerie. So he he starts like kind of chewing Aerie out. And he's like, hey, you know what? You're cursed. Every decision you've ever made hurts other people. You know, you're the reason all these people are dying. And, and then we get into this scene where, you know, Mirio is like, how can you talk to your daughter this way? Yes. And he just goes, you think she's really my daughter? Like, oh, yeah, that's what I told you. So confirmed you and I had both thought like, nah, there's no way that that's actually his daughter. So he's just got some random kid that he's probably kidnapped. Yeah. And he says this, he says it wouldn't be an impediment if she broke. I can revive her. Even if she didn't keep her shape, I could fix her. 
and she knows this firsthand. And he's saying this while he's trying to crush Mirio. And he, like Mirio, almost is probably thinking, well, I'm relatively safe because he's not going to crush Aerie. But Overhaul's like, nah, dog, I can totally pancake her and she'll be fine a few minutes later. Yep, and which kind of is something I had talked about. Like, w- would he be able to revive people? So it sounds like he can. He just has to do it immediately almost. Yes, I think it, yeah, there's got to be some sort of time limitation to it, like a window of opportunity for sure. But that just that line, just that thought of, of Overhaul telling Mirio, I will crush you and her along with you, pisses him right off. And so he goes like full on assault mode. Uh, oh, and so cool. Yeah, man, this, these episodes are so much fun to watch. Yeah, and, and you know, when he goes into this assault mode, he makes a mention that he is still under the influence of Sakaki's quirk, which I thought was interesting because I'm pretty sure he knocked that guy out. So even at the end of the second episode, they're still kind of thinking that people are under that influence, but I feel like that maybe there's something else going on. Or his is like passive somehow, like it's a almost like an AOE from his body, not something that he like turns on and off necessarily, maybe. but maybe but he can I would intensify that- it. I would think overhaul and uh, Namato would be affected. Yeah, by that's it, true. That's true. So I don't know. I just thought that was kind of one of those weird, like his quirks different, you know? Well, maybe it's not something he can turn on, on and off like a switch, but it's something he can affect you with that has a time limit. Like it, if he hits you with it, your, your equilibrium is off for half an hour or something like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, right as he's about to get shot by Corona, he actually falls to the ground and then he comes back up and punches him out. So now it's truly just him and overhaul. Uh, Corona's gun is like flown off way to the side. And whenever he did this, you know, Corona was about to shoot him and the bullet goes through his cape that he left and protected like Eerie with. And it was such a cool scene. But at the same time, all I could think of was like, ah, now she's covered in his weird hair. Yeah. That's the, that tiny detail about his suit still grosses me out to today. It I, makes like, it I so don't much like, creepier. I don't like loose hair. Like, uh, people that know me know this well about me. Like, if I'm swimming in a public pool and hair gets on me, I'm done swimming in a public pool. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, just that is the most gross thing. Call um, it quits. Yeah. And so, you know, for, for him to just be, wa- even if it's even if it's mine, like, I just don't, it's gross. I mean, he's wearing a literal suit of hair, and it's weird to me and unsettling, and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, especially since now he's got a child wrapped up in it. And he mentions that a hero wears capes so that way they can comfort someone who is suffering. And I just like I had that thought where I was just like, you know, how much suffering do you have to be in to be comforted by like a Mirio hair cape? Well, she I don't think she would know. No, and she th- there would be know. no reason for him to tell her, like, by the way, those are my <laughs> those are my old locks that you got draped around her shoulder. You know, that's that that's would be fair. a weird talking point. That would be. Someone had to cut his hair and then weave that into like fabric. That's someone did yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Anyways. Let's, let's stop trying to figure out the details of his weird hair suit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever will. Uh, I mean, at this point, Mirio is just absolutely wiping the deck with overhaul. It was an awesome fight. There's, it seems like he doesn't stand a chance against Mirio, honestly. Yeah. And this is, there's an interesting exchange that takes place in the middle of this. Number one, um, he punches. Chisaki like through his hands again, which I think is cool. Um, but then he also he calls him Chisaki. He says, You've already lost Chisaki. And Chisaki says back to him, Don't use my name so casually. I've already thrown it away. So he's trying to distance himself from that name for whatever reason and just totally embrace the overhaul moniker, apparently. 
Yeah, and we get some sort of weird flashback when he's like a kid and he's, I guess, on his own. And I, I'm assuming it's the leader of the Yakuza that adopts mm-hmm. him or something. I don't know. It was yep. kind of a weird random scene. I, I don't want to say it didn't fit, but they didn't really give enough details for it to make too much more sense than that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the, like, it, it was very orphany. Like, he was lost or abandoned or, you know, an urchin of some kind and gets taken in for whatever reason. And I don't know if at that time that the boss knew what Overhaul's quirk was. Like, we don't, I, I don't, I don't know. We, there's a lot of stuff. We, it was like a five-second scene, ten-second scene. Yeah. So we, we didn't I, get a whole bunch there. At this point, I had assumed that the boss was his biological father, which, I mean, it's possible, I guess, that Eerie might even be some sort of, like, little sister figure to Overhaul if, if she's really the true boss's daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she's like the boss's granddaughter, I think. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, okay. I think that's right. So there's like a step between him and her, I think. But Well, um, the Moto shows back up. He like crawls through this crack, and he's talking about how he wants to be able to serve his master, Overhaul. And I guess we get this quick moment where he had asked Overhaul why he should be part of the Chia Hasaikai, and Overhaul basically said, well, it would be comforting to me. You know, I, I would feel better if you were part of my group. So it's given him this purpose that he he needs to protect his boss. So he's like, hey, you know, what can I do? Overhaul tosses him a bullet and tells him to go ahead and shoot, take out Mirio. And he pulls one of those, you know, permanent quirk destroying bullets out of that little case. Uh, so it, it gets pretty intense because he loads that sucker up and he's trying to figure out like, well, I can't, I don't want to shoot at him because he'll just face through and I've only got one shot at this. What can I do? And this is when he's like, okay, well, I can I can shoot at his real feelings, his his true intentions, and he points that gun at Eerie, and I mean, it's just it's over for uh, for poor Mirio here, man. Yeah, I have a lot of mixed thoughts about this particular scene. I have hero written in all caps on my page because Mirio does the heroic thing and possibly even just reflexively, but I would think with a lot more intentionality than a reflex. He runs over to um, Eerie and um, you know places himself between her and the dart and takes it himself, which is totally a heroic thing to do. In fact, like Nomoto is, or maybe overall, one of the two of them is like, what is he that he would just take this dart? Um, and the answer to that question is that he's a hero. Um, however, at the same time, and it, this is, this is my hot take. Um, I think that he might've been better off letting the girl get shot. I'm not going to lie. Um, because, that might have led to no more quirk erasing drugs. But at the same time, I think the workaround to that is overhaul could just presumably give her back her quirk, maybe if he wanted to, but I still maybe. think that it would have been a really cool dramatic beat for Miria to just be like, ha jokes on you. I'm not going to take that dart. And now you lost, you know, this vital component to these quirk robbing drugs. And then for us to be like, Heck yeah, he did a he did a big brain move, and then for Overhaul to be like, "Ha ha, jokes on you! I can undo all this when I want to." Um, yeah, that would have been a little bit more epic. I think him taking the bullet feels very uh, like not canned, but you know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I, it, the moment that this scene gets set up, you're like, "Okay, he's going to play hero." And the only thing I could say is I I agree with you. Like I think that if he knows that this is one of those permanent quirk killing bullets, because we, I don't know that we know he knows that he yeah. may just think it's one of the temporary ones, or he may just think it's a normal bullet. We don't know. Right. Um, but if he knew, I, I agree with you. I think the wiser decision would have been to let the girl get shot to see if that would have stopped everything. In fact, I think that's probably, I'm going to say what Aizawa and night Eye would have done. Like I had the same thought that Aizawa, I think would have, ref- would have maybe let Aerie get shot. 
Yeah, because if if they can't create those bullets, then it, it resolves this issue. You know, yeah. now, like you said, it would have been pretty cool for Overhaul to have been like, okay, snap my fingers, we're back to warp square one. Like I can just recreate whatever I needed or give her back her quirks. Uh, but it doesn't turn out that way. We get a pretty neat scene though with Mirio and his past with his dad. Yeah, and there's there's um, it turns out that you know his dad was maybe initially aiming to be a hero, but he found that the quirk was really hard to to master in a meaningful way, so he quit. Now Mirio's got a version of it, um, and he's struggling with it too. He ends up falling into a river from a bridge and getting rescued by some nameless pro hero, um, and this is all kind of building up his own perspective on what a hero is and and what they do. And, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, again, it's a 32nd thing, but it's all about Mirio's own like backstory and origin story, which I think actually ties into this week's, uh, trivia Tuesday. It did. Um, I, I I posted that and yeah, now that you're following the account, (laughs) I bet you are. Um, I had mentioned that in, in the, uh, volume of the manga that I don't have, there's a, there's a page that, uh, that uh, Horikoshi says that Mirio took some of his design concepts for his costume from a pro hero who had saved him before. And so I kind of grabbed a, uh, an image from that manga of that, that hero that saved him from the river and set it aside. um, One of Mirio's costumes and, you know, looked for, there's some similarities there and they're not blaringly obvious. Like he's not, I wouldn't uh, have known if you hadn't put that trivia up. I, I don't think I ever would have made that connection. Yeah. They're fairly subtle. I think most of it is lines around the shoulders and, um, the bottom of the torso, like down around the waist. But, um, another thing that, that was kind of interesting about this, this scene, and and you and I had mentioned this right before we started recording is that both of us had kind of guessed in this general area off screen or off offline when we weren't recording um you thought that maybe mirio was going to die when he caught up to overhaul and i had said like two days after we finished recording i was re- i was listening to it because we recorded this one really late and i got on discord and i started texting adam and i was like holy crap they had that quirk robbing like they have those darts overhaul has them so what if mirio shows up and just gets shot and loses his quirk what then so we we both were kind of dancing around the the truth of what was going on in this particular scene but i don't think it like robbed it of any of its emotional gravitas at all in fact one of the one of my final notes for this particular episode is you know we 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 laugh at his name Lemillion, and and his explanation for it was that he wanted to save a million people and here he saves one and that's all that he saves but it was an important one. And he proved in this that he would do everything for the one instead of sacrifice the one for the million. I, I just have in my notes one versus a million, and, and he chooses the one. And uh, that's that's a testament again to to his own heroism. Like he he wouldn't gonna he wasn't gonna sacrifice saving Aerie according to his definition of what it meant to 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 save Aerie in this particular moment. He wasn't gonna sacrifice that on the altar of his own goals. Um, which is the saving a million people. That's a good solid point in his favor. You know, I, I really liked the way that that was very subtly handed handled in this episode. I think. Yeah, it was uh, it was really well done, and you know the the solid point from from me comes in when he just stands back up and starts kicking the crap out of overhaul. Like I kind of expected him to have that moment of shock where. He gets hit, he tries to use his quirk, he can't use his quirk, and then it just immediately breaks him down and he just stands there. And he's like, what do I do now? But instead, I mean, he doesn't stop. He doesn't skip a beat. Nothing changes for him. It's still 
this is the scenario we're in. I no longer have my quirk, but that doesn't matter because I'm still a strong guy. I, I know how to fight. And he goes after overhaul and he keeps trying to fight. I mean, even with his quirk, not even without his quirk, he's still going at it. And I think that was huge because I feel like if it happened to any of the other kids at this point in time, they would have a total meltdown. They wouldn't know what to do. I mean, imagine if Midoriya got hit with this, like he didn't have a quirk. And then all of a sudden he did, and he's mastering that quirk, and then he just loses it with one shot. That would mm-hmm. devastate him, you know? And I mean, Mirio didn't skip a beat. That, to me, that was like true hero in the moment. I didn't think, I just did. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this, there's another amazing piece of art. It's it's kind of gruesome, but it's one where Chisaki has been using um, his quirk to kind of send all these like concrete or rock spikes up from the ground um and there's this scene where mirio is like pinned where he's got one going through his leg and another through his torso and he's just like stuck there and he's bleeding everywhere and it was it was very beautifully rendered even though it was a tragedy i mean we're we're witnessing tragedy um but that also this tragedy also has that element of heroism that's appreciative um and it sets up what is to come, um, which, you know, the final scene of this particular episode is Deku erupting through this wall onto the scene of this tragedy. And he doesn't even really know at the moment how tragic it really is. He finds out like, like partway through episode 75 that Mirio had lost his quirk, um, like permanently that comes as a shock to him. Um, right. so he, he comes onto the scene heroically, you know, does his, his heroic entrance bursting through this wall and he's all crackling with the energy and all that stuff. And that, that tragedy sets the scene for the continuation of this fight with overhaul, which, which, uh, takes us into episode 75, which is called unforeseen hope. Right. And right before Deku breaks down that wall, overhaul mentions something to, to Mirio, which I think I, I may be onto something here. I don't know. I had mentioned a couple episodes ago that I think that overhaul is trying to cleanse like everybody of quirks, not just heroes. And he says something to Mirio about how he's going to fix every single one of you. And I'm assuming he's talking about heroes in this instance, but I wonder if he's just talking about people with quirks in general. Like, this guy seems to have some sort of deal with quirks. Yeah, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. And I I do remember us, um, I do remember vaguely us talking about that particular idea. And uh, man, if he's going to cleanse the whole world of quirks, he's got to do a lot better than five darts. So, better get on it. a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, 75 starts us back up with the main group. Uh, we've got Aizawa, Night Eye, and all them, and they have Mimic uh, completely in lockdown mode. I mean, I think they've got him in cuffs. They've got him up against a wall, and he's powerless. Like, he can't do a whole lot of anything, it doesn't seem like. Uh, and they kind of put two and two together, realize that he was on some seriously hyped up drugs. And now that that's gone, there's not much he can do. So he's no longer a threat. However, he's left the the hallways in their deformed state. So they don't really know what direction to go in. And it, I mean, it, it seems like they have a general idea of where Erie's room used to be because of Night Eye's foresight. But I don't feel like they had a really clear like, OK, we're going to go down the South Hall, you know? Yeah, yeah. They they had gotten turned around in the wibbly wobbly maze um, that Mimic had created. Um, but I think Night Eyes uses his. Um, he he doesn't use it like actively, but he remembers because he had the little you know mind map of the of the facility that he was like. I think it's generally in this direction, and then they all start taking off in that way. But not before Rocklocks. Rocklock finally contributes meaningfully, I think, to the story. Like there was that time where he held the the uh you know the walls steady for a minute yeah Um, he was useful for like 10 seconds a few episodes ago yeah but here he's he's kind of apologizing for himself a little bit he's he's explaining 
in kind of evaluating the uh, contributions and the uh, the the general uh, effectiveness and activity of some of these younger heroes, these kids that are still in UA. So he's like, kids are kids, so I was worried about them. But what happened when we let them loose? Each and every one of them has acted more like a hero, um, like us adults. And uh, I, I really like that. that He was just like, he's like, kudos, you know what? And, and he kind of is thinking back over uh, Tamaki and, uh, you know, all these different characters that we've had. It made me really miss the girls. You know what, though? Like I have in my notes that I was just like, where are all the girls? I miss the girls. We haven't seen, <laughs> we haven't seen any of the cool girls in this show, like from Class One A in too long. We haven't long, seen in my any opinion. of the like main female characters in a while. I know. I miss them. I miss Jiro. She's she's my favorite. I need to bring back Jiro. Well, she she's not even part of the assault, is she? I don't think so. But I, I mean, so. Sue and Ochako are, and we haven't seen them in a while. We get a yeah, very think, brief glimpse of them at the very end of this episode. Right. I was going to say, I think they're still up at the, like the main level. Um, I'm surprised Sue's not down there with them. I feel like she would have been an awesome support character to have in the main group. How? Yeah. I mean, especially if she can hold that camouflage thing for a real long time, she could just subtly be sneaking around everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we get a really strange scene here that I don't really feel like it led to much in this episode maybe we'll see more payoff later but twice and toga are just like crawling through all the debris talking about <laughs> yeah. how they're going to make overhaul pay and that was kind of it I, I don't know did, did that lead somewhere and i just totally missed it i mean it led to this funny line from twice where he was like what do you want to do now kiss um, yeah, yeah. But, th- <laughs> but that was about twice it i mean me up. toga is just um continuing to just spit venom at overhaul because she says something like i want to make overhaul cry just about as much as um i assume as much as deku and i just wrote in my notes yeah good luck with that as a crying as kid ever but yeah <laughs> um i think that that was tried to that was designed to maybe give us the impression that they weren't maybe that they weren't extricating themselves but that they might be moving towards overhaul for some reason That'd like be maybe interesting if they came in to like save the day you know yeah i mean they they verbalized too that if Deku's group and Overhaul's group, if they meet, then no matter what happens, then the League of Villains wins. Right. Because if Overhaul ends up winning, then there are fewer heroes, um, you know, to have to deal with. And if the heroes win, then Overhaul's out of the picture. So well, and I, I think, think maybe if there was nothing else to that scene, there was that. Well, and I think Night Eye had made the mention that the League of Villains were pretty much, you know, using uh, Overhaul and his group in general, it seemed like. So mm-hmm. now that they're aware that they're there, because I still can't believe that they weren't able to figure out that they were in cahoots. That just seems weird to me. Yeah, I'm sure that there's some piece that, you know, we'll we'll learn about later about how either they circumvented that quirk or maybe that scene got retconned a little bit about, you know, what they do or don't know about betrayal happening. True. Who knows? True. Well, Deku shows up to the overhaul fight. And I mean, the moment he knocks down that wall, he's like in on the action. Like he is able to take out overhaul with one punch. It looked like he broke his arm. I'm like, I want to say he broke his arm and overhaul healed it real quick. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Uh, Night Eye is able to go and grab Mirio and Eerie while Aizawa erases Overhaul's quirk. I mean, it's like all of a sudden it seems like everything's coming to a halt. Uh, and then this is when Overhaul calls in Chrono and he, like, Chrono slices up Aizawa. And the, we previously were under the assumption that I think Chrono had been taken out. But I guess Overhaul healed him right as he threw him off of himself because he got thrown at Overhaul. As Overhaul caught him and like threw him to the ground, he must have healed his injuries. He yeah. wakes up and then he he slices up Aizawa and we learn that. So Chrono's got this quirk with his hair. I guess his hair can shape like clock hands or something. And he slices you with different 
pieces of a, the clock hand and you get slowed. That's what it seemed like. Okay. At this point in the show, I was not fully aware that all of the hands were here. So my note reads, those pierced by the long hand will have their movement slowed. And then my next note is just, where and what is his short hand? Yeah. And then I was well, like, that's, that's, that's not that kind of anime. <laughs> that's awesome. Whatever I heard long hand, I was thinking like, I don't know why, but I was thinking like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the foot. And like Daredevil in the hand, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, who is the long hand? Like, is this some extra being that's inside of Chrono's hat or something? What's happening here? And then when it, they explained his quirk, I was like, ah, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, we don't get that it's hair until like maybe 10 minutes from now. So I was just like, what is the shorthand? Do I want to know? And is yeah. he going to use it? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but what one really cool, so one, one really cool like evolution or quirk about his quirk is um, for Aizawa. Aizawa has to keep his eyes open for his quirk to stay right. um, engaged. Uh, and, and like you said, he's got overhaul lockdown right now. And Aizawa is moving so slowly that he can feel a blink coming on. And because he's slowed, that that blink is going to last longer than the split second that our blinks normally last. And so in that borrowed time, essentially, overhaul manages to regain his quirk, which I thought was a really cool way to kind of swing swing this battle a little bit yeah i thought it was a neat way to handle it too because once he blinks it's just a little bit slower overhaul gets his quirk back and immediately there's like this crazy uproar of spikes and then he i mean he does this strange thing where he he pulls namato's body to him and like uses his quirk to break himself down and namato's body and then like fuses them together and I just have in my note, great, there's a weird fused villain because it's like, it's basically overhaul with extra hands and his hands are now like big and monster-like. Yeah, and I couldn't tell like how he gained some of these extra characteristics or qualities to those hands because they looked different. They seem to have some like extra rigidity and stuff like that. But I thought that maybe he didn't just absorb Namoto. Maybe he also absorbed some of the rock around him and wrote maybe. that into his body somehow. I don't know how that. Yeah. It was works, really but. weird looking. Cause like one set of hands were completely black, almost like uh, they reminded me of the dark shadow. And then yeah. the other set of hands almost looked like the things from Marvel comics. Right. Like, they just yeah. had like that rock kind of around it, but it wasn't the same color rock as everything else around them. So yeah, it was yeah, I don't weird. Know. It was weird. And I also wonder like, does Namoto's consciousness get transferred? Because Later in the episode, we see that he is now able to use Namato's quirk. Yep. Yeah, through his hand. Right. Um, so it just makes me wonder if his consciousness is still there somewhere. Like, it, it did Overhaul combine their brains, too? I doubt it. I, I think that he, um, he's a lot more, like, surgical with that kind of thing. Like, I think that he he knows what Namoto's quirk is, and I guess once it's a part of his body through Overhaul's quirk, that he would know how to use it somehow, and yeah. I don't know. It was strange. Well, this is when Overhaul reveals, like, the big reveal that Mirio has had his quirk forever permanently destroyed. Like, it's turned off. It's not coming back. And it, it gets pretty emotional for a few seconds here. I mean, as long as the heroes have to be emotional, really, because Midoriya has this brief second where you can tell in his face that he's just kind of like, oh, crap. And Night Eye, it seems like he starts to cry. I mean, the poor guy is like holding Mirio, who is basically passed out in his arms. He's pouring blood everywhere. And he makes this mention to himself, like his quirk's gone. You know, like, what have I, what have I let this kid get into? Uh, and Overhaul goes in for an attack. Deku's able to stop him. And then Night Eye takes over the fight. 
And this is when things get kind of weird because Night Eye, we, we kind of go back to this scene. It's a side scene where Night Eye is talking to Gran Torino. And Gran Torino asks him, you know, why don't you look long term into the future? And Night Eye explains that he feels like if he looks into the future and he sees someone's future using his foresight, he feels like he's controlling that person's destiny because at this point in time, he's never been able to change the future. And he doesn't mm-hmm. like feeling like he's the one in control. Like he, they can't do anything else because I know what's going to happen, which kind of gives him a bit of like a God complex, really. Yeah, I have in my notes, and this is more than we have time to get into here, but for the curious who want to maybe have an answer f- for what, how it could be that he could know the future and not in any way control it, which is what he's wrestling with. Is you can Google Molinism and middle knowledge. Molinism is M O L O N I S M. Um, and then middle knowledge is exactly what it sounds like. And there's some theological theories about how it is that, like you say, I mean, you brought, you know, God, a God complex that, you know, the whole where that, where that thought comes from is if God knows all the things, then doesn't that mean that he, that people are just predestined for all of the things. Right. Like if God can't be wrong and he knows what you're going to do, then how can you do anything else? Right. Yeah. And Molinism and middle knowledge are interesting approaches to that question. For those of you that want to do some extra research, we do not have the bandwidth to talk about that in here. (laughs) That needs to be like a whole nother podcast. Oh man, it would be a really hard podcast. Even I struggle with elements of it, but um, it's something that I'm vaguely familiar with and have read um, a, a little bit about. That's interesting for those who wish to look up something else. I also like to point out too, that when, when uh, Night Eyes is holding Mirio, that he says, you are amazing. And I just loved him saying that. Like, he wasn't yeah. even there for any of that. I guess maybe he was, maybe he could have, his quirk doesn't let him look into the past. So I don't he could have, so, like, no. watched it by touching Mirio and looking at his No, and he can only use his, his quirk once every 24 hours anyways. Yeah, but he could tell. I mean, just, you could tell by the scene. I mean, he had seen also two bullets, you know, lying unconscious um, between, um, the you know, where they left uh what's his name mimic with the cops they they passed two unconscious bullets and they caught overhaul getting wrecked and that was all by mirio so yeah he was amazing he wasn't wrong there but i just liked him saying that that you were amazing it was really cool it was cool Um, i think not i looks up to mirio to some extent yeah yeah i think that there's definitely some admiration there and a lot of hope i mean again i'm not sure how tightly he's still holding to the ideal that like he was definitely supposed to be or is um, all who all might used to be. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, th- I also think that it's part here somewhere in this before Night Eyes enters the fight that uh, Chisaki lets, lets the cat out of the bag that Ari is the Saikai boss's granddaughter. And I just have there in, in that flashback earlier, there's a scene where he's standing before the boss and he's just got like a regular like flat mask. It wasn't the doctory looking one, the plague doctor one. And um, the boss is telling him, uh, he says something about how no matter how many times, you know, you you get shot down, you continue to ask about this plan. You have this plan, but nobody's going to follow a heartless monster like you. And I just have in my notes that overall's plan included her from the beginning. That's why I think the boss made that comment that overhaul had somehow, even when he was like, you know, lower on the the Yakuza scale had maybe come up with this plan and pitched it to the boss. Like if we take and use your granddaughter like this, this is what we can do. And the boss was like, no, because that's, there's no chivalry in that. He mentions that specifically in that particular conversation. Um, so a lot of things go unsaid and I'm making some assumptions, but I like them. That's headcanon right now until I'm proven otherwise. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good hand cannon to have because that's kind of the same route that I was going. In fact, I assumed that the like flat mask that he was wearing, at this point, I kind of wonder if those masks are maybe declaration of your status within the clan. Like if you've just got that flat mask, maybe I don't know what the tiers would be named, you know, but maybe he's like a tier one or something. And now that Ooh. he's got the plague doctor mask, he's like one of the masters. He sits on like the council chairs, you know. I think that the plague masks were an invention of his. Uh, That's like interesting. Yeah, maybe so. Post boss, I think that that was something he was like, right? We, as the Shia Hisaiki, now are going to wear these masks. That it wasn't an institution before him, but I could, I could totally be wrong on that as well. Well, back into the night eye fight, uh, he's using something. At, you know, we transition back into this after he says that he doesn't want to look into anybody's long term future, and he explains that he's using something called one second foresight to kind of keep ahead of all of the fight that's happening between him and overhaul. So he's not getting hit initially anyways. And then at some point in time, we kind of get this really dramatic scene of him playing over. Like th this happens over a couple of minutes where he's, he's playing over this like reel in his head of what the fight's going to be like. And then it just kind of comes to an end and it, it's cut in half and he gets like slammed into one of these spires and he's just sitting there and it's like, he, he kind of goes unconscious and they sort of shift away from him for a second. Uh, and we see Deku, Mirio and Eerie, and they're all trying to get out of there at right as all of this is happening. And that's when his film runs out essentially. And it's, I mean, I guess at this point you can assume that either he, he no longer can utilize his quirk or he has seen that the film is going to run out and he's going to die. And Midoriya loses it. He, he decides he's going to go full cowling 20% which is more than his body can handle. I mean, he's talking about how his bones are cracking and like everything is creaking, but he's got to do it. And he's going to do, you know, one massive blow to the top of this guy's head. So that way he can't heal in time. And he does what he calls a Manchester smash, which I love. Yeah. Like I, I love the, the fact that he's naming his smashes like all might, uh, but overhaul prevails and either he got hit and healed himself very fast or he completely dodged it. I'm not too sure which. Yeah, and I'm there's still so much confusion on my part for Night Eye's quirk um, because he says something like, "We can reach the conclusion that we want or that I want," and his purple eye shuts off. Then he gets pierced, and I had in my notes: Did he just Doctor Strange it? Like, did he, you know, see the one thing that he could do that would possibly lead to the outcome that he desires? But that would be him admitting that he could control the future. But possibly right. it's just him saying, maybe if there was a time to try to affect the future, it's now. Um, and then uh, Midoriya also like hears Night Eye saying seconds later you'll all die, and Midoriya's just Does like even though? if that was already decided, I'll twist that future. Yeah, uh, see, I I'm pretty sure that was, happens. I didn't think he was saying that out loud because he makes a mention of like the only future he saw was the one where him and Midoriya dies and everyone else gets out or overhaul gets away. But I I don't know. I I was kind of under the impression he was saying that internally, not to Midoriya. Yeah, I have in my notes that the future where Mirio, Aerie, and the others are safe. And I don't have any, a whole bunch of contacts for that, but I do okay. have, it's like where Night Eyes is saying, you'll all die. And, yeah. Mir and Midoriya says out loud, even if that was already decided, I'll twist that future. Yeah. And I was just I like, think if anyone right. could do it, it'd be Deku. I mean, he, All Might already kind of feels like he changed his, his own future. So I guess we'll see. Uh, I, at, the mo at the end of this episode, though, it kind of seems like Night Eyes dead. 
And it may even seem like Mirio's dead because whenever Deku goes to take care of Overhaul, he tells, you know, Eerie and Mirio, like, hey, get out of here, Mirio, make sure that she's taken care of. So he leads her out of that area. It's kind of like a, almost like a cave looking area at this point because of what Overhaul has done to this room. And he leads her out and he's just dripping blood everywhere. And he gets to the point where he collapses and even he can't stand up. And he tells her, like, go hide, get away. You'll be fine. You just have to get away from here because there are all these other people here to rescue you. Like, you're the most important thing here right now. And then it looks like he collapses and passes out. Yeah, he definitely looks effed up in this. That's what my note says. <laughs> yeah, like, Mirio is effed up in all caps. He and is he's roughed up. It's bad. There's this... I mean, sizable trail of blood down the hall. So he's got to be weak just from blood loss in addition to physical trauma that he sustained. Um, but it's really cool because he's he's trying to talk himself up for a little while. Because, you know, one of the things we liked about him in his first appearance was him yelling power really loud. He's like, the power, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this scene, he's like trying to get Ari out of there and he just says power, right? And it's very weak. Um, and, and it's taken a, a lot of toll on him. It's a strange to speak, but he continues to say things like, I'm nowhere near my limit. It, it's almost like I got that Captain America vibe, like I can do this all day, but it's just words. He knows that he's reaching his, his limit actually. And so yeah. he tells, like you said, he tells Ari to go hide. But I do, eh, I took a little bit of issue with him saying dozens are trying to save you because I'm like, but it's really about the drugs. Because if they had come to all these heroes and was like a little girl had been kidnapped and that's all that it was like a quirkless little girl. They wouldn't have had this scale invade, you know, invasion into a Yakuza hideout to rescue one girl. I don't think so. Yeah. Ultimately it's really about the drugs. I think, but, but she doesn't, have maybe I'm that. just pessimistic. I, well, I know that it's not like he's going to say <laughs> they're really only here because you're part of this devastating weapon. Like there, he's not going to devalue her, but I'm just, I took I just, that was my note after he said, dozens are here trying to save you. I'm like, no, dozens are here trying to save themselves from losing yeah. their quirks. You're definitely not wrong about that. That's that's for sure. But I can't imagine, like, can you, I just imagine Mirio sitting there, like, breaking down and collapsing. And he's like, so, no one's really here for you. It's just me and Midoriya. Like, everyone else yeah. is here to save themselves. So. It's true. Midoriya <laughs> do, do and Mirio are the only two there <laughs> to get a girl. Um, I mean, maybe... Oh, well, fat gum is pretty pretty drug uh, motivated too. Yeah, because he used to be on the anti drug force or whatever. Like he was on a a drug, I guess like a quirk enhancing drug busting force. It sounded like. Yeah, because he there used to work be with a Aizawa, couple other right? heroes that have. Uh, well, I don't remember if he worked with Aizawa. That's a good. I don't remember. He was definitely on Das Force, like you were saying. Yeah. Well, anyways, maybe some other pro heroes have you know that that better motivation or better worded motivation, but I mean, really, like when you boil it down to, you know, re you reduce it down. They're here because sh they're getting her away from overhaul because he is using her to make a drug that robs them of works. Well, that, that kind of begs the question: when you boil it down like that, what are they going to do with her? I mean, once they save her, there's no way that you know some of these heroes are going to let her. I don't want to say let her live, but. I mean, there's no way they're going to let her just be free. They're going to have her in like massive containment cells. They don't want anyone that could possibly replicate this to get a hold of her. You know, like what mm. what kind of life is she going to have after this? It's going to be overhaul all over again, just without you know the villainous aspects. I guess she's going to be trapped in a room. I imagine. Well, I would take her in the hero's protective custody over her in overhaul's custody in that damn chair. That chair, okay, they, that's you know, fair. they showed they showed a scene. I don't remember where it was. Oh, it's right here. It's the next thing in my notes. There's a scene from where she's in that chair 
And I mean, she's like being bloodletted, possibly. I mean, maybe that's what it is, is they're letting they're letting her blood. And, um, you know, the the doctor person is just like, all right, that's all she's got. You know, she doesn't have any left. And uh, Chisaki walks up to her and says something like, all right, back to square one. And presumably what that means for her is that he's restoring her so that they can do it again. Like, yeah. could you imagine that? It, it made me think of. Uh, the movie Happy Death Day, which I've never actually seen, but I've heard a couple podcasters talk about where like people know that they're going to die like on this particular day, but they keep reliving it like Groundhog's Day. Ooh, like, yeah. could you imagine that? And that's no. what Mirio meant when he was like, she chose to go back to that hell. That is hell. I mean, waking yeah. up knowing that you're going to have all of your blood drained, presumably. That's what it looked like to me anyway. Um, and then it, you wouldn't get any rest period. You know, like if I go and give you know, a quart of blood or whatever it is that they take from you, a pint of blood. Um, you know, that that requires a little bit of me sitting still for a little while, you know? Um, and she's getting none of that rest and recoup, at least not naturally. I mean, Overhaul's just snapping his fingers and she's going through it over and over and over again. That is a nightmare. Yeah, and I, I started to wonder too, whenever I noticed that scene, do you think that the horn she has on her head is from where Overhaul's been rebuilding her? Because he makes a mention that he can bring her back to life. She may not be exactly the same physically, but she'll be alive. I just wonder if yeah. maybe that's like a deformation from how many times he's rebuilt her or if he's using other people to rebuild her because he's got to have the components from somewhere. So I'm wondering, I hadn't really thought about that much, but it's just the one horn, right? Yeah, I think so. It and it's kind of on her forehead, if I remember correctly. Sure. So what if what if the whole thing is that her blood is somehow like, isn't there m- like mythos around unicorn blood that it has restorative properties? Yeah, that's a pretty big thing, especially in like the Harry Potter series. I, I don't know about like Japanese lore in general, though. Yeah. So I wonder if that's maybe what they're angling for is that she's like her blood is like the the mythological blood of the unicorn and has a certain property that I don't recall. Cause I don't know unicorn lore and I'm kind of proud of that fact to be honest, but, um, <laughs> uh, but maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. That's just off the cuff me spitballing about the horn. Cause I hadn't spent any time thinking about it. It could be, it could also just be part of her quirk. I mean, who knows? And I'm sure yeah. it'll get explained eventually. Uh, but back into the fight with Deku and Night Eye, uh, Night Eye's impaled literally all over the place. Like he cannot move at all. Uh, Deku is also impaled at this point. He's got like those spires are going through his kneecaps. Like, I mean, it looked pretty nasty. He, he looked like he was not in a happy situation. Uh, and this is when overhaul starts using Nomoto's power. And he asked Deku if he essentially, he's like, you know, what you're doing is going to cause someone else to die. Do you want to let someone else die? And at first I thought he was, he was trying to trigger Deku, but he's not. It sounds like he's actually going after Eerie because she's oh, yeah. the one that's affected. And she's, yep. she turns around and like starts walking back towards Overhaul. And, you know, it. she just gets broken down one question after another because Overhaul asks her, like, do you think that this guy can do anything in this situation right now? And she says no. And then he, he says, okay, well, if that's the case, then what should you do? And she's like, you know, I should go back and I should put everyone back together and we, we need to put everything back the way it was. And so that's where I was wondering, like, I wonder if she has some sort of weird, like, time quirk or something. I I mean, I don't think that's the case, but it is interesting. It makes it seem like they can fix this, whatever fixing it means. Yeah. And he says, I do think that that question that he asked her about, do you think this guy, talking about Midoriya, can do anything in this situation? I think her saying, no, I don't, 
hurt Midoriya a whole bunch. Oh, that's why he asked it, I um, think. I think it was 100% yeah. to break Midoriya's mindset down and to get him to give up. Because if she yeah. doesn't believe in him, I mean, what's he going to do? You know, that's that's got to kill him hearing that. Yeah, and then um, in answer to that next question, I mean, he's like, it's easier for for you to be hurt yourself than to have others get hurt for you, isn't it? And that we know that to be true. Right. Um, because she's already done that. That's what happened when, um, you know, overhaul slipped off part of his glove in that first meeting. And she was like, no, 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 we're, we're getting out of here. I'm, I'm fine. I'll, I will go back to this hill. Like Mario called it. And, uh, just so that they won't get hurt. Um, and then night eyes is kind of like talking over top of all of this. And he's, he's telling Midoriya, I think, um, again, I have a hard time keeping track of what's said out loud and what takes place inside of heads. I think this is what I was thinking of earlier. This is the part where I think he was talking internally. Yeah, I saw the future where you and I are killed and Chisaki gets away. Mm -hmm. Because when that film gets snipped, like you were talking about earlier, the last little like cell of that film is blood, like a geyser of blood coming up and looking like it's like washing over Midoriya's face. Yeah, it was was dark. Can you imagine having the quirk that like... You're able to see into the future and it's in this weird kind of like real like old timey, you know, movie format. And then all of a sudden it just comes to an end like that. I mean, that's got to like and it sounded like he was doing one second foresight. So he's only looking one second into the future at this point and seeing it get cut in front of your eyes like that. I mean, that's it's like, you know, it's about to happen, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's it's too late. Who is it that. um, So Ari is crying while she's answering all these questions. Mm hmm. Who is it that looks at her? Is it Mirio or is it Deku that that looks at her and says something like, "You're crying, aren't you?" And it and it seems like what they're getting at is you're speaking the truth but, that you want to go, but your physiology is suggesting that that is not what you want. It, it was definitely uh, Midoriya because I mean okay. Mirio is like out in the hallway, passed out. He's lost so much blood. Oh, at that's that point. right. That's right. But I think you're right. I think Mir- uh, Midoriya asked that because he knows she's telling the truth, but he also knows that's not how she feels. And yeah. so this is the inspiration he gets to go on the assault. And and he's like, okay, you know, clearly this is what's true, but that doesn't mean that it has to be true. So he gets all geared up to go into a fight, and that's pretty much where the episode cuts. Uh, it seems like we get, like, I think it was an after-credit scene, or maybe it was right before credits roll, where, what did you call her? Blue, uh, blue eyes, eyes Caucasian, Caucasian dragon. Yeah, she, like, yep. crashes through the ceiling. So I hate that. If she's a Deus Ex for this, I'm going to be kind of bummed. That feels, <laughs> I don't know. That just feels cheap. But, but Sue and Ochako are here too, and that that, that makes me happy. Yeah. They're not even my favorite like female characters, and I'm just like, it's about time. I'm ready for some girls to do some butt kicking. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I hate the idea of a random dragon showing up at the very end of all of this. You know, it just kind of feels cheated out of like an awesome getaway or an awesome last minute fight. Yeah. Because it seems like Midoriya was going to try and go like 100%. Well, I mean, did you, the, in the next on, Chisaki seems to be back to normal. Like, he doesn't fuse, he's no longer fused with Nomoto, and um, the episode title is Infinite 100%, so I'm assuming that's a reference to Midoriya going ham somehow. Yeah, he'll end up broken uh, so in a hospital for five episodes again. Getting all them hot kisses from... Uh, from uh, Miss Nurse or whatever her name is. Again. Yeah, I tried to. Well, I don't know. She said she wouldn't heal him anymore. Oh, that's true. So, <laughs> and he better be careful. Yeah, he's SOL on that, man. I don't think she's going <laughs> to. She's she's done healing that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's all heartbroken about not getting sloppy wet kisses from somebody six times his age. Yeah, no joke. 
Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for this episode. But before we leave, uh, we had a fun idea. We thought we would run it by everyone out there that listens. Uh, something that Adkins would probably do with me anyways. Uh, we want to talk about casting these characters in like a live action movie. I thought it would be something fun we could try. Adkins and I are gonna, both going to come up with actors. Uh, and then we're interested in seeing what you guys think about it too. You know, like who would you cast? And I think we're going to try and do maybe a character every week and maybe have one or two people cast as them. And when I had pitched this to Adkins, he was like, well, let's start big. Let's do All Might first, which I thought, like, I was like, oh, let, you know, going to start small with some of the students, but you're pulling out the big guns, man. I am. And I think that this is a, an appropriate place to start. Um, I think because he is the big personality and big man that he is that I think that the pool of actors for him is much smaller than some of the others. I would agree with um, that. Teachers and students. So I thought that, yes, it was ambitious, but it might also be a tad easier. Um, so I, up until we sat down to record, I had one name and one name only in mind. Um, but when we started talking about doing this again at the end of the episode, I had one other pop into my mind that I don't like as much, but I could potentially also see with a couple of like caveats. Um, so I do have two names prepared. Okay. Um, well, how about you go I first? Think, give me, give me the one that was, that's been in your mind for the last week or two. Cause I, I, I'm curious if it's anywhere close to who I've got. Okay. My number one pick and it's, it's going to be. This is a, this is a guy who has the right body. Okay, <laughs> for All Might, for Buff All Might. I do I do wish that I had taken the time to also cast Jinko Jeans All Might, but that'll have to be maybe another episode. Sure, sure. Because um, I haven't gotten that far. But Buff All Might, um, guy with a big body. I prefer for it to be natural and not CG, um, and also has to be just a complete goofball or at least able to pull both of those things off. And I could only think of one person off the top of my head, and that person was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh my God, you're kidding, because that's exactly who I cast as him. <laughs> Did yes. you really? Yeah, the only person, because I'm like, look at that big, goofy smile. Like, everything about him, he is 100% All Might, in my mind. That was my first person, the only person I could think of. Okay, I've seen, I mean, obviously the dude is massive, yeah. but I've also seen him do, like, goofy comedy really well. Oh, yeah, well, even and, just, like, in his natural habitat, like, if you watch his gym videos and stuff, he's always messing with people and trying to get people to smile and have a good time. Like, he, I feel like, is the essence of All Might. Like, that that spirit of wanting people to be happy and live their best life. That's totally who he is. Perfect. Well, I, he he was definitely my, my, my front runner. Like, all week, I was like, I know exactly who my All Might is. Yep. But do you want to hear my like possible runner-up? Well, since we already agreed on the first one, and and it was mine, let me tell you who my runner-up is, just in case okay. it happens again, because that would be okay. really crazy. <laughs> okay, go so for the, it. So the only person I could think of, because I, I had the same thing all week long, it's been Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Nobody else even came to mind. And then right as we started talking about it, I was like, you know, I could see Ron Perlman. That would be pretty. That would be a pretty uh, good All Might. Like he's got the jaw structure and everything. And I mean, he played a really good Hellboy. You could see him getting kind of beef. You know, like I could see that one. Okay, a friend of mine and I went to lunch, and we were talking about some of these, uh, like All Might, and then some other characters. We both felt very strongly about The Rock. He had mentioned Ron Perlman as well, um, but I, I said if we're casting this, we're casting this as a movie that's going to be like filmed tomorrow, like younger Ron Perlman, maybe like I'm thinking Ron, Ron Perlman, Perlman from today. like alien Two. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, with my, with my restriction, we kind of shied away from Ron Perlman. My, my second one was possibly, I, I can't recall seeing him in anything that is just goofy, 
But Chris Evans might be able to pull it off. Maybe. Maybe. The guy yeah. who plays Captain America. I could see But that. it would be a stretch. He's definitely not my number one. Not even close. Now, see, I have Chris Evans pegged as Mirio. Do you? Yeah, that's who. Oh. Like, I've been thinking about Mirio because this is kind of his episode. And I was thinking, like, a younger Chris Evans. Like, think back when he played uh, Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four movie before he was Captain yeah. America. Like, when he was a little bit younger, I think Chris Evans would have been a perfect Mirio. He's got that kind of charm to him, you know? Man, I don't think I've spent any time thinking about Mirio. It's been All Might and Aizawa, and I'm so pumped to cast Aizawa. I'm excited to see who you've got for Aizawa, because I know who I've got, and I almost just want to go ahead and talk to you about it. Okay, let's just do two, just for this <laughs> okay, first just one. just for this first one. Because I'm so excited. Okay, okay. Uh, so i got to look up this guy's name, because I cannot think of uh, what his name is. But you go ahead. Okay. You tell me who you think uh, Aizawa is uh, live action. Keanu Reeves. What? Keanu Reeves is Aizawa. Okay. Yes. He could do the hair, oh natural he can totally do the like cool, calm, collected, very somber, stoic kind of uh, uh, persona if he really wants to. He's done that in movies recently a lot. I think he would be a really good Aizawa, and he does a lot of physical action stuff. Okay, you're not wrong. I mean, his John Wick stuff, he's definitely got all that down for sure. So I was thinking Pedro Pascal. Okay, yeah, he's the guy from Mandalorian. Yeah, but I'm also thinking of him from Game of Thrones. I don't know if you've watched that at all or not, but when he played Oberyn Martell, like, if he had long Aizawa-like hair, I could see him playing, like, some sort of character like this. Yeah, I can I could see Pedro Pascal as Aizawa, but I think I'm I'm pretty sold on uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu myself. Reeves is really good. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I would totally go Keanu. Like, I could see that one. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I just yeah, now it would be great. Now we need to get someone to draw us like Keanu Reeves as Aizawa, along with w- Dwayne the Rock Johnson as All Might. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Oh my gosh, I love this exercise already. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. And the great thing is, is like you guys can hop in the Discord or hit us up on Twitter. Tell us who you think you would cast as Aizawa and All Might. Let's get them in. I want to see. I'm curious. Definitely. And I'll, I'll, I don't have anybody quick on the tip of my tongue for Mirio, so maybe. Maybe what we'll do next week, since I spoiled your Mirio, is if I think differently than Chris Evans, we'll I'll toss in my Mirio, and then we can tackle another character that you and I can decide off air to. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, let's go ahead and plan, and everyone out there will know ahead of time. Let's plan for Jiro next weekend, or not next weekend, next oh. episode. We'll do Jiro, so that way you, you know okay. your favorite female character, and uh, and then you can toss in Mirio if you've got it, since I already threw mine out there. Okay, that sounds good to me. All right, uh, man, this has been fun. I really enjoyed this week. Yes, definitely. I'm looking forward to more episodes of My Hero and also more episodes of the AMP with you. Absolutely. So. It'll be two or three weeks. I think we are, we just, I mean, 75 just dropped three days ago. So we got to get 76 and 77 out before we can record another episode. But we uh, maybe we'll find some time to do a filler. Uh, no promises, but we'll see what we can do. Yeah. And I think that is the new movie out. Isn't there another movie out now? I didn't know that there was Am another movie. Yeah, I think that there's a second one. And I thought that I had seen people talking about it, but perhaps I'm wrong. I know that there's another one coming if it's not already here, but that'll be a filler episode for sure in the future at some point. Let's see. I didn't even realize uh, My Hero Academia Heroes Rising is what it looks like it's called. Walmart. Does that have a release date? Uh, that's what I'm looking up. Well, no, that says 2018. No, that's two heroes. Uh, hmm. This is a trailer from December 14th, 2019. So I don't see a release date as far as I can tell. Uh, mine says... Oh, here we go. Here's comicsbeat.com. Uh, it says that it's opening on December 20th in Japan. Uh, so I guess a couple, couple weeks ago. 
Okay, so, so some people have seen yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like it. Is. Uh, okay. interesting fun fact here. <laughs> I don't know why I find this funny. Uh, I had Googled new My Hero Academia movie and on the right hand side, they've got My Hero Academia two heroes, the one that we've already covered and mm-hmm. walmart.com has it as a five out of five. I don't know. Wow. You know, Walmart is apparently, uh, <laughs> able to judge anime movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who are they to say that they're qualified? <laughs> well, I trust IMDB over Walmart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, guys, this has been a fun episode. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.